Hello everyone, I am your host Diti and I go by the pronouns he and they. I am a transmasculine person working as a co-coordinator in Sangat, a feminist network. This series by Ori Kalankini is called Bloody Inclusive and the first eight episodes are in association with Sangat. This series will bring out the experiences of non-cis and non-able-bodied perspectives about menstruation. We have three formats. Our speakers either come on board as interviewees, speak to their friends over a casual call that they generously share with us, or send us their thoughts over a monologue. Hope you enjoy the series and get to learn a lot from it. Hello everyone, today we have with us Sakshi. Sakshi is a student at Delhi University. Welcome to Bloody Inclusive. Tell us a little bit about your life and your journey with your gender identity. Uh, hello, I'm Sakshi. I'm, uh, I'm a little older than 20. Uh, my, life, my life journey has been quite boring and equally interesting. But I'm the third child of my parents, born and lived my initial years in a joint family in Delhi itself. And we moved around a lot after that. So uh, during my upbringing, uh, we have what we call a community upbringing. So it was not my parents who primarily raised us, me and my siblings, but the entire community. So my mother, uh, not spending much part with, um, not spending much time with me, though she still has a lot of opinions to give to me because she is my mother. So she calls me stubborn because she has called me stubborn to this day and since I was a kid. And I used to don't agree with her, but now I agree with her on that. My identity and sexuality uh, never came to me as a surprise. So uh, since I was very young, I had chosen the quote-unquote tomboy identity for myself. I used to scream and shout at her if she would try to get me into feminine clothes or or activities or would try to make me do anything feminine, like even the house chores. Uh, I used, so I used, so that's why I think she called me stubborn. But I do used to revolt a lot in that sense against her. So, uh, uh, so it was a journey, like I'm in a train, and which is on a straight track. It never staggered from its way because it was impossible to change my mind or anyone to affect my thinking. So I was never interested in boys, nor did I really like talking to many of them. And it was easy to find out. So it was easy to find out that I was attracted to women. I experimented with many, experimented with many labels before identifying that I'm a lesbian and so that's how I also in that process I also find out that I do not really feel comfortable being uh, or being called a woman too so I now identify as a non-binary lesbian because because the way gender is constructed mm-hmm. it's in binary 
men are men are the subjects and women are the objects women simply exist to serve men and be available to them every part of the genders around the understanding that one day this woman will serve a man by the time it has evolved uh, by the time this understanding evolved it it went ahead with incorporating the developments too in this evolved form of patriarchy so the way women act and told to act are all sort are all centered around men's existence and being in a relationship with a man or getting married to a man and does all those developments easily and the woman gets entrapped in the oppressed gender it's all it's all really deep rooted conditioning that can't be easily unlearned nor is it a choice of anyone Mm-hmm. uh so attraction to women uh, made uh, exclusive attraction to women made made the option for me that i don't have to serve a man at the end nor do i have to center myself around one though i had never connected with femininity before i was reluctant to let go of the identity as a cis woman and discovering myself as a lesbian helped me to confront myself uh, with that so my my attraction is exclusively to women and women aligned people which means which makes me exist around the binaries which patriarchy creates so that's why i do not anymore identify as a woman because i do not identify with the principles of the gender women set which are set by the patriarchy and that's how i came to explore it thank you right so in my family period is accompanied with lots of taboos and rituals of you know pollution and then purification and i grew up in an assamese brahmin household where on one hand we have this whole custom of celebration of menarch connected to you know female fertility and the first menstruation is celebrated like a wedding it is called uh, tulonibia which is literally translated to where one is lifted from childhood to adulthood and um it is a celebration of this new found fertility which is announced to the entire world on the other hand on a regular uh, daily basis or uh, when we have our monthly periods we also pra- are expected to pa- practice pollution which is connected to the menstruation so we can't touch um you know uh the kitchen the mandir uh this celebration of menarch i have read is particular to brahmins in tamil nadu karnataka and assam but is not uh, prevalent in other savarna households in like you know other parts of the country however um when i tried to read up a little more about it i i saw that anthropological research uh, showed that uh, these the uh, rituals are prevalent in uh, tribal communities of assam and um, i found that in uh, primitive matriarchal societies uh, uh, women uh, use menstrual taboos to make men fear them and respect them and here i use women and men instead of menstruators which is usually the language that we use in this podcast yeah. because literature uh, literature cannot be found in the non binary terms when we talk about menstruation right and uh, there's also a literature which connects hindu texts to menstrual taboos as they come to be associated with ideas of purity and pollution i would like to hear how periods uh, they how are they viewed in your family 
and your community as you said so diti uh, in my family uh, it's very normal so we do we do hide it or um we would talk in codes and things like that be a little hushed about it mm-hmm. but we try to keep it cover covered up in separate way and the shame is still associated and with us so it's something we get you know passed out passed down to us it's something we are conditioned to to be ashamed so but i haven't seen any man in my family minding it but it's always very awkward there's always something really awkward about it so we are open about our pain and we are open about expressing that we are in pain mm-hmm. and how it's affecting us in our daily lives and discuss it and discuss it with our parents with both our parents but uh, as for the ritual i haven't seen our community or my family following any sort of ritual it's a very normal thing for us that comes and goes doesn't ris- disrupt anything majorly in our lives we are neither celebrated royally nor outcasted we just go on because the women of our house were to be segregated for those days who is supposed to do the house housework it's it's just an unjust thing of course because of patriarchy and everything but uh, but we never had any house help or anything of sorts so there are really no customs that are followed in my family or as far as i've seen in my community too and we are financially well so we don't really face any major major financial uh problems uh, affording the products and all mm-hmm. yeah. why do you think we have rituals of pollutions attached to menstruation so i think there are two ways we see how upper caste communities in india have rituals one is like your own community when one side it's celebration of it which i quite don't understand i personally don't see periods as something to be celebrated it shouldn't be it's it's extremely confusing for a kid around 11 or 12 to suddenly be celebrated and get donned in those lavish clothes you know like you said like a marriage celebration so and it seems a bit uh, graphic to do that but i i don't want to offend any cultures but it's important to them it's modern to them maybe but i don't really see a point of it and on the other hand people menstruating go through this temporary phase of uh, untouchability in their own houses this is also uh, upper caste people do lo- have a lot of rules about purity and pollution which come from myths so there's a story about lord indra passing down the guilt of brahmicide to women because they were seen as the evil sex quote and quote the evil sex so hence uh, the people with uterus menstruate so which so like irrationality comes from myth so which has made this culture around periods so extreme and shameful like people who menstruate feel so ashamed and humiliated to do so or mm-hmm. so ashamed and humiliated to complain about it over that so yeah i think it's all born from such practices which makes people uh, ashamed of 
the very natural order of things. Right. Yeah. So on one hand, we have, uh, you know, upper caste households imposing this temporary untouchability on people uh, who menstruate within their household. And at the same time, you know, there's this whole complete absence of conversations about sanitary workers who have to pick up the used um, napkins that, uh, that are disposed of in our household, right? Today, even when we are talking about environmentally sustainable products, we rarely address this issue. Would you like to discuss something around this? Yeah, I, I agree that sustainable sanitary products should be opted and they are economic and environmental friendly both. So while they are a good choice and an amazing step, the taboo around menstruation in India is too much that for the majority of the population, mm -hmm. these things uh, these things don't get discussed and it's not easy to teach such a large population to use and opt these alternate products. The problem mainly remains that sanitary workers have to pick up the discarded menstrual waste by their hands, which lead to many health problems for them. The, it's not only about disposing waste safely, but also manual scavenging, which is a huge problem in a country. Manual scavenging end up causing infections and diseases to sanitary sanitation workers, which is a problem and gets ignored in the conversation about sustainable products. A complete revolution of bringing in sustainable products to everyone in the country is an extremely slow process and while a small percentage of people has opted for it, sanitation workers are still picking up the waste in, hazard in those hazardous situations. So a conversation centering, centered around bringing in devices or machines to help sanitation workers should be uh, prioritized concerns like in Delhi, Manual scavenging was made illegal and machines to pick up and collect garbage were even introduced. Though this hasn't been implemented well throughout the city, only in some parts. But for now, there is a problem that people whose livelihoods dependent on the work are now left with none and with, and with no income. So state, so it is on state that they should be able to rehabilitate the people and the community where they can sustain themselves. Right. So in the end, we cannot talk about a sustainable uh, menstrual health product without uh, taking into consideration caste-based occupation that exists in our country, right? Yes, yes, yes. In the end, uh, how do you think that these norms of purity and pollution associated with menstruation lead to the construction of ideas around caste and gender? And how does that impact you personally? So in popular culture, we see that much of the activism around period positivity revolve around destigmatizing your periods, but loving them and loving them and tell yourself yes we are capable of everything despite being on periods which doesn't make sense nor does it do any good i mean imagine thinking you're you're the most happiest when you're on your periods <laughs> no it doesn't work that way in recent times people are learning not just to think that only women menstruate and including that but we are learning to include non-binary people and trans men in the conversation too. 
and by changing our language to not to say that women menstruate because not not all women even menstruate then we we talk about people who with uterus or people who menstruate like this is how we bring inclusivity of gender in our uh, in our language so through such an uh, though such inclusivity has only begun to make its way there is not much that has been discussed to include caste during these matters mm-hmm. you know in modern times gender of women is constructed around menstruating where they are loud about it and it's not it's not, and not hiding it which is which is good like you shouldn't hide it but then patriarchy has also made us feel guilty whenever we do face health problems because of the cycle in commercials too we see upper caste middle class women only young women only who are not hiding their periods and are fully capable of doing everything and are shown like extremely active just smiling through it which isn't reality at all gender's construction does not let women feel pain women are not allowed to feel pain or discomfort and those women who are quote unquote strong can do office and housework with a smile on their face without a single complaint I and mean, that's how the guilt has been constructed it is this suppression and is something the activism around period should steer away from you yes you do feel pain and discomfort you know varying from person to person and it's okay to take a break from that your menstrual cycle does not have to be beautiful or happy then it has to be real you can have problems and you aren't supposed to always look like nothing is bothering you we already know so many times health problems in women and uh, afap people are ignored because they are always told to live through the pain and that they can take a little bit of pain so the focus should be deconstructing that and not of on aestheticizing periods and there is also the issue that if period activism goes to dissociate with words like pollution quote unquote and dirty what of dalit people who menstruate whose existence is labeled like as that by the system is such a development and inclusive for everyone is it still focusing it's still focusing on the upcast people mm-hmm. right. which communities can afford the to change the conversation you know through media and everything and in a way which serves to them which they can relate to but what of the dalit people we never saw their representation in any of these ads and everything so as we discussed earlier about the sanitation workers and they are termed dirty and polluted too by the system right the movement doesn't speak for them then it it really isn't inclusive of everyone embracing your periods and calling it beautiful doesn't help people who cannot afford it like safe and sanitary toilets and products thus who cannot afford like these products right so right. thus the movement has to encompass ways to discuss these problems like these real problems which a lot of people faces and most of the population also what about uh, 
dalit people who who have to work daily to sustain their livelihood like there's this conversation about period leaves and everything so but what about manual daily workers what about those workers who work on daily wages where do they go like where do they come in this conversation around leaves and everything they have to work to sustain their lives every day so while the middle classes have campaigned for the leaves so what of the sanitation workers and migrant laborers who do not get such privileges so yeah these things should be incorporated in the conversation yeah yeah thank you so much for bringing in such an insightful discussion into this whole discourse and thank you for joining us today sakshi thank you so much have a good day thank you thank you for having me with that we come to an end of today's episode hope you enjoyed the episode and got a little peek into our lives whether our conversations shocked you or soothed you we hope it gave you a lot of questions to ponder upon with that please do check out our other episodes in this series and share all of them with your friends cheers and bye